In today's episode, we're speaking to David Rowlands, who is an Amazon best-selling author, award-winning coach, and CEO of two businesses and provides business support to several more. David is a co-founder of HCB Speak to Shine Limited. He is Europe's number one smasher of the glass ceiling. He, he connects women to their presence and their power so they can make significantly more money. Uh, what they get from working with David are the secrets of how to take charge of how your voice and body resonates so you can show up and shine. And in today's episode, we're speaking to David to find out how he changed his life by changing his mindset. Let's find out. Money Mindset with Girl Khan podcast will help you to break free from your limiting beliefs, reverse your money shame and blast through your money blocks so that you can live a life of unlimited abundance. In this podcast, we will talk about energy tools and mindset strategies that will help you to understand and change your relationship with money, whether you're in a job, profession or working on your passion. Change your relationship with money to change your life. I'm your host, Gul Khan. Let's get started. Welcome, welcome. This is Gul Khan, your money mindset expert. And I'm so excited. Today we have the amazing, the wonderful David Rowlands. Welcome, David. Hello. Hello, Gul. And lovely to meet you and lovely to be here with you today with thank your you, audience thank you so much david so david everyone's heard your intro they know how fabulous we are but please in your own yes. words share with everyone what it is that you do so it's, it's very simple i help women get connected to their presence and power so that they can use that to make significantly more money now in in, in an employment role in the corporate world that's usually from get helping them get themselves at either an internal or external uh, promotion Normally, something like that uh, for the women I work with will add an extra hundred to three hundred thousand into their income stream. If if a woman comes to me and she's an entrepreneur, then it would be about adding those kind of numbers, if not more, to the top line of whatever their business is doing. Either way, it's all about how earning more money is very much related to how much value you provide in the world that you inhabit. I love that. I, I absolutely agree. There is, um, you know, there is no uh, upper limit to the amount of money you make because there's no limit to the amount of value you can provide. Yeah. And the amount of money you make is completely, uh, you know, related to the amount of value you provide and that, that that's perceived by you and others. So I think this is what you do is yes. amazing. And I love the way you're changing women's mindset in terms of what's possible for them. And all the time, the mere fact that they are women has, holds them back, especially in the corporate world, because I've been in the corporate world. And I know being a brown woman in, in the corporate sector, I was already a disadvantage. Uh, and I knew that. Uh, and I felt that. And therefore, that's what I eternalized. So this, I think this is what you do is yeah. fabulous. But I want to know, we will talk about more about that, uh, at, uh, I think more on Money Talkies. But today, I want to talk about your journey. How did you, how did things start for you? How did you end up being a coach for high achieving women? It's a long journey. Journey uh, that began with me being an actor in uh, and and attending one of the best drama schools in the world, mm-hmm. uh, and that's Guildhall School of Music and Drama, mm. which I, I went to in the early nineties, and I was uh, and it's it's known as one of the top three conservatoire trainings mm. in the world, and uh, so and by, by that I mean 
they're they're much more interested in in creating an, an ensemble of kind of fully rounded ensemble of people than they are kind of churning out potential superstars. Having said that they're more interested in that, however, I was there alongside um, Daniel Craig and Ewan McGregor and Joseph Fiennes and Damien Lewis, right? Mm. Joseph wow. and Damien were both in in my year in particular. So we it's not that we weren't surrounded by um, future stars at the time. Mm. And I, uh, I met uh, a woman who I didn't realize at the time was going to have such an uh, immense... Uh, impact on me and my world, who was head of voice at Guildhall, head of voice at the National Theatre at the time as well, Patsy Rodenberg. She's an author of like seven books. She's had a TV series in the States. She worked with Barack Obama during his first presidential election campaign. So she's, you know, being having a three-year voice training with the world's number one Mm. voice coach even though it wasn't at the time what I was thinking about I was thinking about how can I be successful in the theater and so you know I took it all on board and she was very helpful for me and those those points that um during a drama training often they uh, they tear you down with the intention of building you up mm. stronger and so they peel back the layers and there comes a point, what I call the long, dark night of the soul, where you you have to look in a mirror and decide do you like what you see, mm. you know, and be honest about what it is that you see about yourself. And, and sometimes that's hard. And I remember in the sort of first term of my second year, there was that point where uh, I, was, I felt very close to to giving up and I, I felt that everything, all the confidence I'd come with was being kind of stripped away. Uh, and, you know, I was looking in the mirror and, and wondering, who is this guy? And, and do I actually like him? Or, or is, is all, all the behavior I'm enacting in the world some kind of self-sabotage? And, and so Patsy was there for me at that time. And, uh, you know, that was during that process, that was my kind of rock bottom. And I, I turned to her and she kind of, not literally, but kind of held, held my hand whilst I stepped through that mirror and dealt with who, who it was that I saw on the other side. And mm. as a result, towards the end of that year, I came out of it, you know, with feeling, feeling really extraordinary about the, uh, uh, about the contribution that I could make in the world. And, and I had a, a second m mentor, if you like, in the world of the theatre in, in uh, a Russian theatre director named Vasily Skorik um, from the school Gitis in Moscow. Now, sadly, Vasily is no longer with us, but I remember we were, we were all in, uh, in Tuscany together mm. in a tiny village on top of a mountain and we were uh, rehearsing Hamlet in a deconsecrated church all day long. Italian students, Russian students, English, British students. We were all working together in a melting pot with people who didn't understand each other's languages. And we were all being taught by a man who didn't speak English. Mm. And it was fascinating because we had uh, the, the English interpreter wasn't very good. So we ended up being 
taught by Vasily in Russian, having it translated into Italian, and then having it translated into English. Oh, wow. Okay. Right. So can you imagine the kind of Chinese whispers that might might go on in that uh, process of of translation? What What I noticed was the people who were really paying attention were watching Vasily, not the translators. Mm. Because there was so much information that was coming out of his body, out of his tonality, that told you what it was was going on, much more than listening to words. And so mm. you'd, you'd see the rest of the room, a lot of the room would would watch, and they'd be looking at Vasily whilst he's speaking in Russian, and then the head would move to the person speaking Italian, then the head would move to the person speaking in English. And I just stayed with Vasily all the way to notice what is it he's really wanting rather than what are the words around what he's really wanting. Mm. And because as a director, I felt he had a real insight into every individual in that room that wasn't based on the words. Mm. He didn't he didn't hear words. He heard everything about the voice. He saw everything about the body. He could he could see into people and see exactly what they needed without yeah, without speaking English. And I mm. thought, ah, this is very interesting. Uh and so that kind of began a, another journey. For me, I wanted to be a theatre director when I left drama college, much, much more than I wanted to be an actor. I, I feel having had that experience there, and, and so how did that lead you on to 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 where you are right now? Well, I tell you, um, theatre and acting is a wonderful art form, mm. and it's a horrific business. Oh yes, <laughs> from my, I see from the outside point of view, but when I energetically tune in, it's very toxic. It sounds, it feels oh, yeah. awful. I, I, I work with about 300 health and wellness practitioners who are who are the only people who have a mindset around money that's as bad as the mindset around money that actors have. Mm. So there's so much uh, in the world of, uh, of scarcity and fear mm. going on. So uh, actors step on each other. Mm-hmm. In in order to get what limited work they believe is available, and and every, every year that work gets less and less for because because um, the people who are making I, I can't say the art and particularly when it comes to television these days, um, and now you you have to be ra- you have to be rather than act. So I, I think the. The opportunities are even smaller than they were in my day when I was a struggling actor. Uh, really, why is it? Because I think with the on with the rise of multi multitude of channels and Netflix coming into the picture, Apple coming into the picture, Amazon mm. coming into the picture, and Disney and and so many different avenues. And you know, yeah. um, I thought, and we have so many new series coming out and so many things happening. Why would the, that limit opportunity? Wouldn't that in theory, it should. In theory, it should. Hmm. But actually, it, it doesn't. In terms of the pool of talent that gets touched on. Oh, okay. Uh, and and in terms of all of those streaming platforms that you've mentioned, there's very very few of them uh, are looking good from a stock market point of view at, at the moment. You know, Netflix are probably going to have to cut and and have a history of cutting things before they've got a 
a chance to um, to find an audience. Hmm. Uh, but it, 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 it was it was horrifically toxic to be in that industry, kind yes, of. Yes, of course. To know that, uh, or to know intellectually that you were the business, but not to know, you know, inside your soul, inside your your guts, that I'm the business. Yeah. And not, and then in that position, not being able to delineate between you, the person, and you, the business, so that when yeah. you face that rejection. You don't face it from a business point of view. You face it from a personal, personal point of view. Yeah. And so I then there's a yeah. downward spiral. And the, hard, yeah. the hardest thing that I think with when it comes to acting or the media on that kind of field is it's the personal rejection. And there's a lot of um, – and also I think that there's a dark side to it as well. Um, and I think you have to have a certain kind of mindset to be able to navigate through, you know, the, the casting couch. Um, scenarios which have been coming which have become open especially with young children as well um and um you know that's come through from that from nickelodeon and all of those sort of things so oh that's horrific oh yeah, yeah. So, yeah so and so i mean obviously as an adult it won't be as horrific but still the casting couch is widely known but i don't know if it still exists but it did exist in that oh, it time. does it oh, does okay. and it does exist there's a lot of um there's a lot of pretense that it doesn't exist. Yeah. And there's a lot of attention being focused in one way whilst people are doing the other. Yeah. Certainly when I, um, I had some uh, unwarranted attention when I was at youth theatre that I had the sense to, you know, not go back to people's caravans during mm. the end or when they said, oh, come back to my caravan and I can get you into RADA was something I heard. Mm. Uh, and I had the sense to go, no, thank you. Mm. And also advise others who are getting the same treatment, just don't go back to their caravan, whatever you do. But this is a very low point to be in and to, you know, to really um, hold on to own self-worth and not let these professional rejections um, become personal rejections. Yes. And as an actor, I think I probably didn't, didn't do that. I wasn't able to separate that. Because mm. I, I didn't have the knowledge of how to run myself as a business or mm. think of myself as as an uh, as a person of value, really. I I had an agent who had a very good uh, set of connections in the corporate world, so I started to make quite a bit of money out of representing corporates on the stage. So I'd, I'd represent British Nuclear Fuels or Hewlett Packard uh, um, on on the stage, pretend to be one of their people, get a script about a, pro- a product ah, or a service. Ah, I didn't know that was possible. Even that goes uh, well, on. Well, people don't do it anymore, which is good news for me. Um, but in, <laughs> you know, we're talking prior to the millennium in the late nineties. This is how I I made my bread and butter money. Hmm. Uh, you know, here's the script, there's the hotel, show up here, da-da-da, let me introduce you to this. And, and so as actors are really, really good, if they're good actors, at making making you believe that they understand the words that they're saying. Say, so, of course, yeah. <laughs> I, I was very good at that, so I got a lot of work doing that. And, um, and at the time, I thought, oh, this is okay, this is nice, maybe I can keep doing this. And I did a gig in Amsterdam, uh, at the International Broadcasters Convention for a group called Inmarsat, who put satellites into space. I don't know mm. if you know them. Cool. They put satellites into space and then they sell airtime on those satellites to media organizations. Okay. 
Uh, and my job was very simple. I had a five minute piece to do on the hour, every hour during the day at the expo, get some curiosity going, move people onto the stand, and then their salespeople would make their move. Okay. And then it was so successful. They said, we want you to teach us how to do that. And then I got my gig, my first gig, and I charged far too little money. Of course. Oh, we all there. We all have. Because they said yes immediately. And, and then they said, you really should have charged a, a lot more hmm. uh, than that. Because I had no idea of how to operate in that world. And I had no negotiation skills uh, whatsoever at the time. But it was my first gig. And I got a regular gig for two years working with a company operating being a, a presentation coach for a group of roughly six people every every month mm. on a two-year contract. And and it was from there that I thought, well, maybe this, maybe this could actually give me a real uh, income. Mm. <laughs> but, you know, I, and by that time I was thinking, oh, maybe I should be thinking about buying a home and you know and under under the circumstances that I was working in in theater that would never have been possible and I mm. I wasn't sort of I, I wasn't one to sit and dream and hope that uh Steven Spielberg would ring it's just not <laughs> because it and, and that's the learning because I mm. didn't make myself visible at the time I kind of you know that thing about oh if I if I just manifest by thinking mm. I'll just sit in a corner on my own and not talk to anyone and manifest by thinking it doesn't actually work you have to you have to have some visibility you have to, you have to take action as well of course it goes hand in hand yeah agreed yeah agreed. So, and so that, that's why often people in the acting world are the ones the ones who show up the ones who who know to be at this place or that place or at this party or or have an agent that can connect them with that person are the people who do well because they've got all that visibility. I hope you are enjoying today's episode. If you want to learn more about my mindset strategies and energy tools to help you change your money mindset, then please register for my Abundance Mindset Makeover Workshop by visiting www.abundancemindsetmakeover.com. See you inside the workshop. I have seen that um, it's, you know, talent um, is, you know, it's it's lost on the streets, whereas um, connections and know-how sort of rides the waves and it's at the top. And so we know this, this happens on a lot of industries, I think, and, um, and you know, acting being probably one of the top, it's who you know and, you know, what you're willing to do kind of a thing. But it takes a certain kind of, strong mindset to be able to pull yourself out there because that seems to really kill your self-esteem and um you know your your morale but you've managed yes. to pull yourself out of then use the skills that you acquired from acting into um into a different profession which is amazing so what yes. did you start, so what did you start teaching people initially well initially i was teaching people how to present mm-hmm. and uh and so how to be confident on a stage how to have presence uh, how to use your voice in an effective manner. And then I, I, I was found and I was asked by a, a lovely lady named Avril Lehman, who was forming a new company. She said, I'm putting together a group of coaches who have different disciplines. Mm. And what I'd like is for every one of us to teach the others their skill so that we can then create a new company together. And so I, 
I joined that group and I learned uh, I, I learned a lot about CBT and uh, uh, and psychology from the others, and I taught them some of the stuff we were doing. And I was, uh, and they became one of two companies that I was working as uh, as an associate for, mm. which I made a reasonable living out of, or what I thought at the time was a reasonable living, um, which allowed me to, you know, explore. Uh, I uh, had a family and uh, uh, and I moved out of London into Hampshire, into, into a nice big house as opposed to a tiny two-bedroom flat in Crystal Palace. And, uh, and I was on, I was an associate. So in, in many ways, I thought it was the best of all possible worlds. It's actually the worst of all possible worlds because it's it's like being employed but with not a single benefit. Ah, okay. So, but, so I could lie to myself that I was running a business when, in actual fact, I was just being told where to go and when. Mm. And being told where to go and when left me six nights out of seven every week living out of hotels. Mm. Okay. Right. Four-year-old daughter, one-year-old son, and my other half. She wasn't my wife then, but she is now. All, all sitting at home whilst I'm, you know, in Birmingham for two days, or Manchester for two days, or or Edinburgh for two days, and 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 I and it was all very exciting, and I, and I was pouring out my soul to all of these clients, and I was giving them everything, and and it was wonderful, right, on one level. And it was, and my bank balance was okay. I could afford to pay the bills. It was in the early part of 2011, I think it was, when they started taking me to dinner and saying, you know, this recession, David, well, I can promise you it's not going to affect us. So don't you worry about it. And consequentially, I ignored the alarm bells. I thought, don't be silly, David. But you know that thing that the brain can't accommodate a negative when they say, yeah. don't worry about something. Mm. Hang on. What should I be worrying about? Mm. Uh, I should have worried about it, really, because I, I went from about 3,000 a month to zero between, uh, I think it was May and June of that year. I'd just moved out to Hampshire. Like I say, four-year-old daughter, one-year-old son, a partner who's not working. I'm responsible for all the money. Mm. Suddenly, there's like, you know, it took less than a week for, oh, you're one, you're our most popular asset, David. You're, you're wonderful to turn into, well, we, the, we're not obliged to find you work. Oh, okay. And so I went from that to nothing. So how did you turn that around? Because that must have been quite horrific, uh, you know, being the sole breadwinner for a fam, for a young fam. Terrifying. It was yeah. terrifying. And so what and happened next? Well, that's when you're back against the wall. Yeah. So what happened next, it wasn't wasn't pleasant. And there was a point that I did believe in my head. This is before I'd kind of spoken to anybody. Mm. There was a point where I believed, oh, maybe, maybe my family, maybe I'm worth more to my family dead than I am alive. Oh, wow. Wow. And okay. There, so... There was a day that I think I, I got up. I hadn't slept a single wink through the whole night mm. with worry. And, uh, you know, I, uh, I got in the car and went to Boots and bought two big bottles of paracetamol, drove out to a golf course, 
local to us, uh, left the car, walked across the green, went into a forest uh, there and found a nice tree stump. And I opened up both packets uh, with a bottle of water and I sat there looking at them, honestly believing that that would resolve my family's problems. And wow. I, I sat there for two hours well, looking at those things. What stopped you? Uh, I, th- I, th- I think I, what stopped me was that I needed to take responsibility. You know, there was, you know, the thing you can have a sort of argument in your own head. There was mm-hmm. a voice going, actually, this is, this is bull. This is the, this is the cowardly way. I take some responsibility. So I did, after two hours, I just put the lids back on, went back to the car and, you know, slowly been using them for headaches. <laughs> uh, but um, that, and so actually what I, what I found was the courage to talk to people about this, and in particular, um, my sister, who, and kind of step over the, the fear around what she or anyone who, who loved me might think of me, me admitting that I, things were a terrible mess and I needed help. And, and mm. so she, she was phenomenal. Uh, and we drew up a plan by which we can, we could tap into, um, some, uh, money and assets that have been put aside, uh, for me and her. And we, we made it possible for all of the outgoings to go through. She and I started working on a property business together. Um, and then, uh, she got me into personal development by taking me to Tony Robbins gig. And so that, and, and we were all at Excel and that kind of blew my mind. And, uh, that's where I saw um, a man named Kane Minkus from Industry Rockstar, mm. and uh, so he was doing he was doing a piece on personal branding, and he and he did a ninety minute piece that ended with an offer um, to do a four day seminar with him or a member of his team, uh, and I knew I wanted it. But I was sit- sitting there thinking, How's, where, where is the money going to come from? How am I going to make this happen? And, mm-hmm. you know, the usual kind of, no, I just take lots lots of notes out of the free stuff I'm getting and and, and I'll, I'll be back later when I've used this to make money. And you know that that never works. But, no, that doesn't. Uh, my, my sister was sitting next to me just when she gave me her credit card and went, do it, pay me back when you've made the money. So I reinvested something like... Uh, three and a half thousand in me attending this four day and Kane. And so I started doing some more work with, with Kane and, uh, it was working with him. And he, he was initially working with a guy called Jeff Slater, Jeff Slater and Kane Minkus. But then when, when we were working together, he changed and started working with his new partner, Alessia, who he married. So it's now Kane and Alessia Minkus. And so is, 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 if we just sort of wrap this up, so how did you? So that training led you on to becoming to doing what you're doing yeah, at the moment. Is that, that it? So it, it, essentially, it was it was investing when I felt I could least afford to. Mm, it it was finding that way around. Look, there's a. Pro, I remember Jeff Slater standing in front of me and going, "Are, are you making a hundred thousand? And I said, "No." And he went, "Well, you've got a sales problem. Deal with it." Mm. 
And I was so thankful that he did, and he was that direct. And I went, too true. I I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to go to market. I don't know what my message is. I don't know how to sell to people. Of course, I'm not making 100K or more. Mm. And, uh, And so it was investment in that which I needed and being able to find a way to do that when I could least afford it. I love that. I love that because I think when I'm thinking back now of my clients, I have people who have been following me for, gosh, three, four years, and they know they want to come work with me. They're just figuring out, oh, let me just do this. And I remember this one client, this one particular person comes to mind. Every year or 18 months, she pops up and she's like, oh, go, you're the one for me. I tried this. And I know that's the work. Only you're the one for me and your energy clearings work and so forth. And she's tried all these other programs in the interval. Um, smaller ones and none of them have worked and she's known and my by the way the price of my mastermind has increased as well over the years as it has uh, as it normally would she still hasn't joined me even though she was supposed to join me and she's but she's situations got progressively worse so when you make excuses for yourselves things just don't happen when you make something as a non-negotiable you just say i'm going to find the money i don't know how i'm going to find the money yeah. Things miraculously, things just fall into place and people show up and things happen. It could be in the form of loan, but it can it can be life forms. I want to give you the story that comes to mind over here is one of my clients and I share because it's exactly the same thing with her. You borrowed your money from your sister and it's helped transform your life because that's a pivotal moment in your life. And remember yeah. one of my clients, Sam, when she came to join me in my mastermind, she didn't have the money because in the 12 month, the payment plan, she didn't have the money for it. She borrowed money from her adult son, which in our culture, by the way, is very shameful. You know, parents are supposed to provide. We can't borrow money from our kids. She borrowed it from her son, but she knew she just needed it. And it was, this is the, I think this is the missing piece in her life. Within two months, she doubled her annual income and made a monthly income. And then from then on, she's, she's flown and she's making 150K a month. Crazy story. But when she started, she had to figure out a way, exactly the same way as you did. But I think people sometimes put it off thinking, oh, I'm not sure. But don't you think that's because they are using lack of money as an excuse not to do the work, not to go? Very ahead? easy excuse. And in, 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 in this world, it's a very easy excuse. And in Western culture, I think it's a very easy excuse. And, yeah. I, and I think often that government and media over the last 50 years have been in, installing that. And, and, and education, you know, kind mm. of uh, help. And, and with my children trying to undo some of the stuff that, that state education has been doing in terms of their understanding of the idea of failure mm. and being fearful of failure. Mm. And it doesn't make people brave when they're fearful of failure. If failure is learning, what is there to fear from it? I agree. I absolutely agree. So on that note, let's wrap this up. So um, tell us, what's the if you can look back at your life and you've, you've had so many upheavals, even to the point of a suicide, if, if you can give yourself, your younger self, one piece of advice, what would you give? If I could go back in time uh, and then I'd say uh, it's all in the people and cho- choose to be with the right people. Don't waste your time with people who don't have the best will for you in the world. Surround yourself you know, with with the best surround, people. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and in, in that acting world, that's very different, di- difficult to do. 
Mm. I say I say that as someone who has spent money to sit in a theatre to look at someone on stage and think for three solid hours, I could do that better. Mm. And and so that's a waste of three hours and a lot of money to have a miserable experience. And I know I know a lot of actors, some of whom are extremely good actors, for whom it's very important to have a miserable experience because at some level they believe that that's what they deserve. Yeah. Uh, and so. Uh, I would say it's in the, it's in the people. It's not in the money. The the money is in the connections and the value that you can generate. You know, have have some faith in yourself to be of value to the people who you meet. Yeah, so, and and also be be very careful and choose your network very carefully. I think that's yes. very very important. Yeah. Well, thank well, you. you. Yeah. Thank you. But thank you. On that note, thank you so much, David. Uh, David, how can we connect with you? Where can you find me on the internet? Uh, super. So uh, I am at two places, davidroylance.com. Uh, R-O-Y-L-A-N-C-E is how you spell my surname. And, and also uh, speaktoshine.uk. So wonderful. So if you're watching us, well, if you're listening to us on the podcast, then the, the links that David just mentioned will be in the show notes. And if you're watching us on YouTube, then down below in the description section, you will have his links to go check him out. He's fabulous. He's amazing. And we're going to have to be back, uh, David. We have to have a chat with you on Money Talky segment. But for today, thank you so much for being such an amazing guest. And, and thank you so much for sharing your story so candidly. Thank you very much. Go. It's a real pleasure thank you so much and thank you for listening to me and david today i will be back with another amazing guest of finding out how they change their life by changing the mindset until the next time we meet this is gokhan signing off take care and bye for now if you want to learn more about my energy tools and mindset strategies then please visit my website www.gulkhan.com and if you want to take part in our five-day abundance mindset makeover workshop where I deep dive into energy tools for abundance then please go to www.abundancemindsetmakeover.com and register. I look forward to being your mentor in the next workshop and if you want to learn about the spiritual laws of money then go and get my book Laws of Money from www.lawsofmoney.com. Until the next time we meet, this is Gul Khan signing off. Take care and bye for now.